I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers try to pull something off that they haven't done since the early 80s this week to stay alive in the AFC playoff race. They need a win, a loss. Wouldn't eliminate them completely, but it most likely would. So I think we are finally here, Jacob. I think we can officially deem this game. A must win. Wow. 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 You know, you you tiptoe around that all year long. You always want to pull the trigger early. But I think we finally arrived, my friend. And, and you know what? We waited long enough. We never officially used the term. We just kind of flirted with it. We, we referenced it, but we never, ever designated a single game as a must win. Let's, let's keep our journalistic integrity here uh, alive and well to note that we never, ever, ever caved into a must-win, calling a game a must-win until Week 17 when it was deemly appropriate. Wow, that's great. Thanks for patting us both on the back like that so much and just, you know, telling everybody well, how we great we are. I mean, a lot of people are ready to jump the gun and say, oh, it's Week 2, but it's a must-win. You can't fall to 0-2. <laughs> we never did that. Yeah, I never, I've never done that, ever. <laughs> never, ever. Exactly. But you got to beat this. Uh, you got to beat win this game. You got to beat Seattle on Sunday. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nine and eight ain't getting you in. Ten and seven, I think, actually might get you in. You know, we kind of talked about it earlier this week, but the part of the equation that I'm the shakiest on for them to get into the playoffs isn't the help that they're going to need. It's the Steelers taking care of their own business and winning out. And I think this is the tougher leg of the two. Most likely, mostly because I'm assuming Baltimore starters are going to be on the old bench come week 18. Yeah, and you know, but that's a big part of that is taking into account, you know, fate being out of your own hands. Let like, me ask I you think, before you go on, Jay. Yeah. Let me ask you this though: even if the Ravens played their starters, is it asinine of me to say I'm actually more comfortable with the Steelers going down there and winning than across to Seattle and winning? No, because we've seen the Steelers with Kenny Pickett. Uh, beat uh, the Ravens we've seen, not necessarily Mason Rudolph, but we see what the team can look like with a a pretty spry Mason Rudolph, a pretty fresh Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And we haven't seen the Steelers won in Seattle in 40 years. So I don't think it's, it's, it's asinine of you at all to say that. What worries me about this game isn't so much the Seattle defense against Mason Rudolph and the Steelers offense, and I'm growing more and more confident as the week wears on that Mason Rudolph will indeed be getting the ball. Pickett uh, just hasn't really had any prep with the hasn't prepped with the first team at all to this point mm-hmm. as we're recording on Friday morning, and he's just not the type of quarterback again that can roll out of bed and play. So it's not so much the Seattle defense. I, I think you can attack them pretty easily. 
The Seattle offense is what worries me here. And yeah, it was a, a yeoman's effort by Miles Jack and the backup linebackers and Pat Pete moving to safety against Jake Browning. And, and you did such a great job uh, holding that Cincinnati offense to really just the one big play to T. Higgins. And that was it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a more real quarterback that you're facing now. And to be fair to Cincinnati as well, you know, I'm not just going to skirt by Jamar Chase being out and, you know, pretend like, oh, whatever, not a big deal. Even if he was in, we still would have handled business. Their Jamar Chase is in this week. That freak DK Metcalf is going to be playing. That trio of wide receivers are healthy. I know Smith and Jigba's questionable, but it looks like he's trending in the right direction. So, you know, this is a step up in that kind of competition, and that's where the worry comes in for me, is that Seattle offense could put up mid-30s uh, in points. Yeah, they could, Tom, but it's not like they consistently do so. You're right. The so, consistency's not there with them. But here's why I get worried again, though. They're more consistent at home than they are on the road, and great, we have to go out there. Yeah, uh, they definitely are a better team at home than they are on the road. I mean, we've, we just saw them struggle to beat Tennessee by three points on the road last week, and Tennessee is pretty much in the water. They're not going to make the playoffs, but – it's a well-coached team. I think the only time I, I've seen the Seahawks put up a legitimate fight uh, scoring effort on the road was that uh, that Lions game in week two and then uh, the Dallas game, which they eventually lost. So they're obviously a much more comfortable team at home. But I'll say this time, even so, like against the Niners, I know the Niners are, are clearly a better team. The Niners ran over the Seahawks 31-13 in Seattle just a month ago. So it's not like the Seattle Seahawks are a night and day kind of team on the road versus at home, but they're clearly more comfortable. I mean, it's we know what was once the Legion of Boom, now it's just still a very dominant or a very intimidating home field advantage, 5-2, like you mentioned, uh, when we last recorded uh, together on Wednesday. But those two losses are to NFC West opponents, so... The teams who can go into Seattle are the teams that know how to go into Seattle, that do it every year. So for the teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who go into Seattle, what, once every eight years? Maybe that becomes a little more frequent now with this new 17th game added to the, to the schedule. Those teams, especially Pittsburgh, who hasn't won Seattle in 40 years, aren't going to be familiar with Seattle. The only person who was on Seattle the last time the Steelers played there in 2015 was Mike Tomlin. <laughs> wow, 2015. So there's, no one who's, there's no one, I mean, via free agency, there may have been guys who have played in Seattle, games in Seattle, but not in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uniform. Right, you know, I, 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 that's so hard to believe that that was the last time they went to Seattle. Uh, what different team it was with Ben and A.B. And, and even in Seattle's side of things, I mean, it was a Richard Sherman versus A.B. matchup. In, in both, right. in both right. Richard Sherman kind of winding down in his prime, but bo both of them, I'd say, still in their prime. I know Sherman kind of got the better there. Pretty handsy. Pretty handsy effort from Richard Sherman on A.B., yeah, if I remember I think, that game you know correctly. that game, a Richard Sherman had the better day. The Marcus Wheaton, because of Richard torched, Sherman being torched the Seahawks, and, and yeah. I think he had over 200 yards in that game. Yeah, it was a great game. It was a shootout. was not enough, though, uh, for the Steelers to overcome the Seattle Seahawks there. But they got to do it this week. Uh, they got to win for the first time since 83. And like I said, I worry about that offense in Seattle putting up a lot of points. So it's kind of up to your offense to take control of things. And, 
hey, for a back-to-back weeks, be the reason why you win the game. They would have won the game because of the defense against Cincinnati anyway, but I'm giving the credit to the offense when you score 34 points. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to kind of run that back this week, and here's the 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 obvious staring you right in the face game plan against the Seahawks defense. I mean, you got you got to channel your inner Sandra Bullock here. Run the ball, Bert. <laughs> run the dying ball, Bert. I mean, they're terrible at run defense. They're getting worse even in the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's very obvious that you should be able to gain ground on the on the ground against the Seahawks defense. And in doing so, you keep that offense off the field. You limit their time of possession. You limit the damage that they can do to you. So, I mean, the Sandra Bullock game plan, I think, is the one that you got to really lean on and rely on in this game. And, you know, even if they give you like a – a good quarter of run defense in Seattle. Like they get amped up. This is a must win for us too. The fans, the 12th man's behind us. We're going to stop the run, baby. Old school Pete Carroll football. Stay at it because that dam is going to break open eventually. They just don't have the dudes up front and the scheme isn't there behind the dudes um, to make up for their lack of talent in run defense. So run the ball, Bert. Run it, run it, run it. Run the ball, Eddie. Run the ball, Mike. That's what we got. Run the ball, Eddie. And I, I and you know what, Tom? Despite the Steelers having a great thirty-four to thirteen win over the Bengals, we didn't really see the run game as prevalent as we did the passing game and that game. Now, obviously, the spotlight is more so on Mason Rudolph, and that's fine because of the circumstances coming in for Kenny and Mitch, and then. In that relief performance, having the best performance of any Steelers quarterback in what the last two to two and a half years. So obviously the spotlight was going to be on Mason, but you still would have liked to have seen, given the day that the passing offense had, given the day that the defense had overall, despite that one big splash being allowed by T. Higgins, I think we would have liked to see more than just 113 yards on the ground last week. Now, 113 yards. A lot of teams will kill for that. A lot of teams fail to even run for 100 yards. But we've seen the Steelers be able to run for over 100 yards uh, pretty consistently over the past, what, two months or so. But 113 yards, I think we would have wanted to see more than that, especially from Jalen Warren, who only had eight carries for 24 yards. Especially when you consider you were playing from ahead basically that entire game. You know, I know you ended up running more than you did passing in that game, 30 rush attempts to uh, 27 pass attempts by Mason Rudolph. But you would have figured Najee Harris would have had more than 78 yards, and you definitely would have figured that Jalen Warren would have had more than 24 yards. Jalen Warren, of course, the guy that everyone pointed to was the splash guy. His longest carry of the daytime against Cincinnati was only for five yards. So you definitely want to see those numbers move up or move in the right direction, rather, against Seattle. But my worry is, you know, we, we've seen the Steelers kind of go up against uh, lesser opponents like the Colts, uh, like the uh, Cardinals from a, a few weeks ago. I won't say the Patriots because we know the Patriots had a really elite rushing defense, but the Cardinals and the and the and the Colts, we we came into those games saying the Steelers have to run the ball, just run the ball and you should be fine. And because of the game circumstances, because of the Steelers falling behind early leads, we saw the running game kind of disappear early on, especially earlier than you would have liked to admit and you didn't see really great rushing performances overall you had to just kind of stick to it yeah now that you have Mason Rudolph who seems capable right we don't we don't want to say that 
Mason Rudolph's going to copy and paste his performance against Cincinnati for every single game for the rest of his career, or at least the rest of the season, or however many games he plays for the Steelers over the course of the rest of the season. But if he can do something similar, recreate it, you know, to a to a degree, then there's no reason you shouldn't be able to have a complimentary run offense to go with. Uh, here's some stats in your face about the run game that you're going to enjoy. Give me stats. These are kind of the Steelers' run game is really boom or bust. Um, and I'll credit our guy from the drive, Matt Williamson. Of course, this is from Matt Stat Pack that he blasts mm. out to all of us and posts online at Steelers.com. It's it's if you're a nerd, I mean, just take ten minutes morning coffee on a Saturday or a Friday morning and and peruse Matt's stats. They're great. But seventy seven point four percent of the Steelers' carries this season have gone for a yard or more. Only four offenses are worse than that. But 5.7% of Steelers carries have gone for 15-plus yards this year. Only four offenses are better. And on top of that, Seattle's defense has allowed 5.8% of the carries against them to go for 15-plus yards, which is the fourth highest allowed in the league. And Seahawks defense... 116 first downs have been given up on the ground. Only two defenses this year have allowed more. So those last two really illustrate how bad this defense is at stopping the run and how you got to run against them. But, you know, the Steelers, only four offenses are worse than they are as far as yards, runs that only go for a yard or more. But only four offenses are better than they are as far as these 15-plus yards runs. So, I mean, it's really boom or bust. And you're seeing the home run be hit by these running backs, but you know, you kind of got to work your way through like a three yard gain, a two yard gain, a four yard gain, a three yard gain until you get to that 10, 12, 15. And Najee Harris, for a guy who's not known for the burst in the 15 plus, 20 plus yard carries, he has seven 20 plus yard carries this year. Only Christian McCaffrey and Jameer Gibbs have more. Yeah, that's something that we've been highlighting a lot. A lot of people have been easy to criticize or quick to criticize Najee Harris for not having that burst that Julian Warren seemingly also does have to his credit. But like you said, Tom, we, we, we pointed out earlier in the season, there was a point where Najee Harris was alone at the top of the league in that category. I mean, the fact that he's still at the top with guys like Jameer Gibbs and Christian McCaffrey is a huge deal considering many people's criticisms of him not having that speed not having that second gear, not having that burst. So I'm with you. I mean, you know, you love to see the long runs, but the Steelers to be able to chug and chug and chug, that's just what they do. Yeah, they got to stick to that in this game. You know, like I said, yeah, even I'm if, even if mean, there's some pushback early and you, you can't get discouraged, um, even if you're down like 10 to nothing at some point, I still try to run the football, still try to establish that run. Uh, they just they just are so bad against it. It's just so clearly the way that you want to attack them. Um, My fear is though, Tom, is that we've been saying this, or, or not not every week, but we say it so often. You gotta stick to the run. Doesn't matter what lead you fall behind. You gotta stick to the run. Don't abandon the run. Don't abandon the run. And inevitably, the Steelers will fall behind. The only game where I think they've led uh, start to finish was Cincinnati all season long. So they face deficits along the way and we've seen them abandon the run. So my worry is that even though the game plan seems obvious, it won't be the case come Sunday. 
Yeah, I'm, we're going to go through the injury report to lead off the next episode like we usually do. Um, Seattle's injury report is unbelievable. I mean, if, yeah, you, if you've ever seen the Chris Jericho bit in, in wrestling where he does the list and he pulls out that giant scroll in the ring and it, like, unfurls mm-hmm. and it, like, covers the entire ring just on the ground, it, it looks like that. Like, it literally is a mile long, uh, the names on this injury list. Uh, one name that's not on the injury list, though, is an old friend of ours, and he is going to right. be playing this week. And you got to attack him. I mean, you got to go after Devin Bush. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and, and Artie Burns, for that matter, too. Uh, but Artie Burns, as funny as this is going to sound to Steelers fans, I mean, these are the two biggest busts, I think, draft picks of the Steelers uh, in recent memory. And they're on Seattle, and they're starting this week against you. Uh, but Artie Burns is, a, is more of a respectable NFL player in my eyes than Devin Bush even is. So uh, attack the middle of the field, you know, attack Devin Bush. Uh, Bobby Wagner's still going to be out there. Uh, he still has the brains, um, but the body has not been there for Wagner this year either. So you got a washed-up Bobby Wagner who can think the game better than anybody still at that position, but his body just can't move as fast as he wants it to. And then you got Devin Bush, who is really a big-time bust, the top-10 pick that just has now, what, in year 5-6, really is, is holding on to his last gasp in the NFL. Uh, attack that guy. Attack him, attack him, attack him in the run game, run at him at the second level. In the passing game, you know, make him guard wide receivers in the slot. Try to get him on Deontay if you can. Uh, of course, yeah. Seattle has something to say about that, and they might not oblige, but try, you know, try to get him in some unfavorable matchups. Um, God, for three years, well, not his rookie year, his rookie year, he was good. But after that, we saw so saw many teams, teams attack him. Like now it's our yep. turn, right? Like attack him. Yeah, you have to you have to know your opponent, and that's a, that's a given every single week. And now you have the added bonus of being very familiar with two guys that, because of this injury and just because of the the way the Seahawks roster has kind of molded around the season, you know two of those guys that you're going up against on defense. You know how to attack them because you saw other teams attack them while they were on your team. So I'm with you. I think Artie Burns, not trying to give him a lot of credit here, but you think Devin Bush is much more easy to target as a defender because it's it's going to be as a linebacker and, and given the given the state of the Steelers, you don't expect you know Mason Rudolph to be attacking deep every time he sees Artie Burns in coverage. No, I it's don't. It's a lot easier to attack the middle of the field where Devin Bush will be. I don't because the. Seahawks defense teams are not attacking them down the field like the average depth of target against Seattle is like 6.3 6.4 yards downfield uh it's one of the lowest in the NFL so I mean there's a lot of res- whether it's a lot of respect for the secondary when they're healthy or whether it's a lot of fear of Seattle's pass rush which is is pretty dang good only five teams have more sacks uh than Seattle on the season uh, whether whatever side you're worried about in that equation, teams just aren't pushing the ball down the field against them. So in my eyes, this might not be the George Pickens game like Cincinnati was. This might be the Deontay Johnson game. So that's actually what I wanted to to bring up here uh, in this episode is is Deontay, you know, as as great as Mason was in the the Rudolph to Pickens connection was popping against the Bengals, and even a little bit of Allen Robinson was getting sprinkled in there. Deontay really had a quiet game. Yeah, I think this. Catches. Yeah, I think this could be a big, big week for Deontay. And I, I, I don't think it was a matter of Mason was just kind of you know looking at Pickett, Pickens, excuse me, 
and not really going through his reads. I think we saw Mason go through his progressions better than any quarterback has this year for the Steelers. Deontay, mm-hmm. I think, was just kind of game-planned away by the Bengals, and your good quarterback is supposed to take advantage of that and go elsewhere, just like you you laid out with A.B. getting taken away with Sherman and Ben just hit Wheaton all day long. Like That's what good quarterback play does. Well, this week, just based on looking at how teams attack Seattle, how Seattle's good downfield in their secondary, Pickens might be the one that they take away, especially after seeing what he did to the Bengals last week. Rudolph might be looking towards Deontay a lot more in this game. So I'm really hopeful for and looking for a big outing, maybe like a seven or eight catch day from Johnson. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And I think you brought up a good point bringing up the pass. You know, just because Antonio Brown had a bad day didn't mean that Marcus Wheaton was going to also have a bad day. Uh, you have the opportunity here. You know, we we said so long for so long, you have two guys who are so advantageous to you, both Deontay and George Pickens. If they're going to target George Pickens, if they're going to take away the deep field, you have a guy like Deontay who's a, who can be a great short field receiver for you. I mean, we, we've seen it so many times in the past in flashes. Uh, we saw Mason Rudolph do, like you said, do a couple of things that Kenny Pickett and Mason and uh, Mitch Trubisky weren't really doing. And that's going through his reads and kind of using, utilizing the middle of the field. You know, Mason Rudolph, the first player, the second play of the game, rather, for the Steelers, it was a five-yard pass that went for, what, 80-some yards. You know, you don't have to make every pass that goes for a long pass have majority of those yards come through the air. Deontay Johnson can get you a lot of yak. Even George Pickens. I mean, let's let's not just say like yeah. I mean, it's the big play was yak all yak play. for Pickens. I mean, he did right, have the not, one bomb, let's not but just say because Seattle takes away the deep field that George Pickens is automatically uh, negated in what he can do for this team. They're they're both capable of using or they're both capable of being targeted in that short to midfield range both Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are but I'm with you Tom if if they're going after George Pickens if they're double teaming him that doesn't mean that Deontay Johnson will get that same coverage one of those guys will get the 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 CB one or the coverage one allowing for the other to get uh more targets and more catches it's just funny how last week ended up George Pickens you would have figured after that first play of the game second play of the game that the coverage would have been better and he's still eight for four catches, nearly two hundred yards and two touchdowns. Pat Fryer. Wait, that was that was a that was a Cincinnati defense, yeah, which is much less than compared to the Seattle defense against the pass for sure. Uh, right. Again, against the run, Seattle's one of the worst in the NFL. Although you know what, Cincinnati's really bad against the run too. So that could have just been an overall true statement by you. Um, Pat Fryermuth as well. I mean, we just talked about attacking Devin Bush, and mm-hmm. you can really get Fryermuth, I think, in some favorable matchups against these linebackers. Even I'd take Fryermuth right now at Bobby Wagner's stage of his career if, if Wagner drew him in some coverage. So, uh, Trump- Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, Tom. We were talking about Deontay not having a big day last week. I was honestly more surprised that Pat Fryermuth didn't have a big day last week against the Bengals. Well, you know what? I think what Tomlin said in this press conference um, – about that either post game or the Tuesday after you know the Bengals allowed the middle of the field to be availed to the Steelers last time the first meeting I mean and they took it with Pat Fryermuth and this time they took away Pat Fryermuth and they took advantage Entirely. by hitting them Zero deep catches. so maybe I, I kind of see this Seattle game and the way that Seattle's defense has looked this year kind of playing out 
potentially like that first Cincinnati game uh, with, you know, Faulkner and Sullivan's first game calling the plays, being the OC, and Kenny uh, having probably his best. I know he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he threw 278 yards, like probably his best statistical day and probably looked mm-hmm. his best on the season uh, before unfortunately going down the next week against Arizona. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of see the Seattle defense kind of given that middle of the field, and I think Rudolph uh, is good enough to take it, and, you know, that's why I lean towards Deontay. That's why I lean towards Pat potentially having, you know, some nice days as far as the box score is concerned uh, and helping, you know, like I said, you got to score points in this game, so uh, right. those two might be key contributors to that. Yeah, I mean, get them involved. I, I can't say it enough. Get these guys involved. We been talking for so long about having all these offensive weapons that too much of a good thing might be a bad thing but not in this state you know when you have a plan of attack you can run the ball and you can attack the middle of the field effectively you have not just one you have multiple guys that can do that I mean you can even get Jalen Warren and Najee Harris involved I mean I I know it's probably going to irk a lot of people saying stop passing to the running backs in short downs or on on short plays but this Seattle defense is is susceptible to that so use the backs use the tight ends use both Deontay Johnson George Pickens even Allen Robinson like you said who had a decent game uh last week I mean hell Darnell Washington had a catch I mean that matches season high you know he he's probably caught one pass in like four games this year five games this year get him a catch in there the Seattle defense you like we said they're susceptible to it and then at the front of it, you know who to attack. You see, I don't know what his number is. It's not. I don't think it's fifty-five anymore. Devin Bush, but you know he's out there. You know what he can't do for that team. You know how vulnerable he leaves the middle of the field. Attack it. Yeah, I just think the game plan is pretty obvious this week against that Seattle defense. Yeah, but that's know. what worries me, Tom. How oh, it does. How many times have we come in? Oh, does it the now? Game plan is very obvious, and then what happens with the Steelers' offense? It doesn't follow that game plan. Yeah, I mean that. I think you can apply that to the defensive side of the football too. I mean, how many times have we said uh, Tim Benz loves to bring this up? Like, how many times have we highlighted a a, a inferior tackle or a backup tackle right. going up against T.J. Watt? And look out, this could be a, a multiple sack game for T.J. Watt, and he's quieter than he is against you know superstar left tackles. Yeah, right. I think uh, the, the nature of this team just the, uh, the Texans game and the Cardinals game. Both offensive lines were completely beat up. And T.J. Watt was non-existent in pretty much both of those games. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't think you should worry. You know, I think the predictability of this matchup uh, is nothing to worry about. I, I, I really, really don't have much respect for that Seattle run defense. It's, it's, it's getting worse as the season's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been a problem for them all year. So you know they've been trying to address it. They've been trying to fix it. They just can't. They just don't have the talent. So... Run the dang ball, Bert. Run <laughs> the dang ball. And you guys need to also gear up. I'm not going to do the whole read as, as Sandra okay. Bullock. Gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Acrisure Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, the Tanger Outlets, or you can visit online at shop.steelers.com. Um, all right, the scarier side of the football is definitely Seattle's offense, so we'll talk about the game plan against them and the matchup uh, that I'm looking forward to of DK Metcalf versus Joey Porter Jr. It's on the way next on the Steelers Standard. 
You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 